Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry and joining me as always is John. Hello. And I've got the intro down, I think. I think we've finally nailed it. Yeah. It took us 13 episodes. 13 episodes, but I can get it right first time, don't need any preparation or anything. (laughs) Got it. Uh, Let's change it. No, don't don't confuse me. And this week we're doing Swiss Army Man. We are. um, Which was your choice, wasn't it? It was. I went a little bit off the beaten path this week because I chose a film I actually haven't seen before. So I just chose this film because I'd heard about it. It Uh seemed interesting. I don't think anyone really saw it. It it kind of came and went. No, I think it was a film that I saw many people on YouTube saying the 10 films you didn't watch in 2016 but should have. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and this was one of the old 10 films you meant to watch. Mm-hmm. This was one of them. I know a lot of people who meant to watch this, but never got around to it. So even the YouTubers who were saying we should have watched this film hadn't actually watched it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I'm glad we've joined the elite circle of people who have, because I actually really enjoyed this film. <laughs> it was good. Now, this film breaks two records on our podcast, one for being a film that neither of us have seen before mm-hmm. doing before doing an episode on, and the first film that we actually watched together in preparation for this. We did, yeah. Which I feel much better that I watched it with somebody, mm-hmm. because I don't think I'd have appreciated or enjoyed the weirdness of the film if I just watched it by myself. I agree. I agree, definitely. And there were some laugh-out-loud moments, which I don't really think would have been laugh-out-loud if I watched it on my own. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. you just breathe heavily through your nose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I very seldom laugh. It's a weird thing. Laughter's a very social thing. I very seldom laugh hard when I'm, like, alone. It's mm-hmm. weird, but, yeah. Sometimes to, to a good podcast, but not often. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I actually watched it again afterwards, because I, I enjoyed this really? so much. I watched it again, I watched it again just because it... Because it was such an interesting film, and because I spent the entire film having no idea where it was going to go. Mm-hmm. So the whole film was a surprise. So I knew the basic plot was that Daniel Radcliffe plays a corpse, and mm-hmm. Paul Dano's character finds the corpse, and he kind of... I know I knew it was some kind of striking up some kind of friendship with the corpse, but yeah. aside from that, I knew nothing, which yeah. is great. I love going into a film and having no idea what to expect. Mm. But yeah, so watching it a second time, without that kind of like, well, what is this? What is this film going to be? Mm. I, pre- I appreciated it on different levels, and just found it equally good just actually quite moving and for i will say this is the sweetest gay necrophiliac love story i've ever seen <laughs> it's got a lot of competition but it's number one well i was i think i said when we finished it i've never seen a film make farting look so romantic yeah it really does just <laughs> <laughs> a weird sentence to say when i get back home i'm gonna show sarah how much i care about her every single day whenever she wants she's thirsty or whatever she can drink my spit and then she can ride my gas to wherever she wants to go you can't use your gas in front of other people. What? Why not? Because it's weird. People don't like other people's farts. Is that why you don't fart in front of me? No. I just like to do it alone or hold it in. That's what you're supposed to do. That's so sad. That's so sad. What are we even going back home for? It sounds like you're not allowed to do anything back there. Okay, so here's a question. If Manny's character, the Daniel Radcliffe, the corpse, was mm. a woman, do you think the film would have worked? Hmm, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, I think it would, but the have to sort of tread lightly in a lot of ways. Because, mm. oh, I don't know. No, I think it would have been weird. Yeah? I think it would have been too weird. It would have been too creepy and weird. Yeah, I think it probably would have been. Yeah. And also, I don't think it would have worked in terms of the emotional beats that it hits, because it would have just been this sad, weird story about this guy, like... Dress. It would have been a bit psycho, mm. you know, um, where he's like dress, dressing up a character that he wants to be in love with or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was much more interesting to have the two males because it was kind of like Manny became not such a love interest as a reflection of how he saw himself mm-hmm. and 
how he sees the world and his own like repre- his own repression, yeah. his own loneliness, his own sense of isolation. And I thought mm-hmm. that was made for some really touching scenes. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think if they'd had a fem- if they had a female character, a lot of the nuance would have been taken out of it. So yeah, I kind of agree. That makes sense. You could have had two women. You could yeah. have had that, but I don't think you could have had a male-female dynamic yeah. in it at all. Yeah. What was your favourite bit? My favourite scene was when they are crawling over the pipes, the bridge pipe, and, uh-huh. and Manny's character gives this really sweet little speech about how he has feelings for him and, you know, what do those feelings mean? And, mm-hmm. you know, has anyone else ever had those feelings? It, it, not just about the feelings, but more, all, uh, it, was, it was just a very nicely written speech about how, you know, there's things I want to say, but I feel like if I say it, things mm-hmm. will be awkward, or if, or if I don't, I feel like you want to say things as well, and there's... It's just something that, you know, everyone's had that experience. It's yeah. just a very universal and beautiful kind of thing. And I just thought that was lovely. And then it was followed by the amazing scene, which is genuinely... The, which is my favourite scene. Yeah, where they fall into the... Well, you described the scene that follows them. Well, they fall into the water and... Uh, well, yeah, they just talked about what if, what if I lose you, that'd be, yeah. that'd be awful. And uh, then Manny starts sinking and uh, he has to swim down to get him and he does. And the, it looks like they're both going to die and then... I don't know, were they kissing or is he sharing air? Like, no, they kiss. Okay. It's definitely a romantic scene. Oh, well, I, I got the romance as well, but yeah. like, was it also sharing air? I've seen... No, because Paul Dano kisses him and he doesn't need him. <clears throat> he's a corpse. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that happened. And then we just cut to above the water. We just see the cork that was previously in Daniel Radcliffe's bum just float <laughs> <up>. Yeah. <laughs> we laughed so hard. And yet it was also... Yeah, and yet the second time I laughed really hard again, but I was also like, aww. Like, it was genuinely like again so this film finds sweetness in the weirdest places things yeah. that should not be sweet and because normally i'm not a fan of gross out humor at all i mm-hmm. just it, i don't find it funny like even when it's really well done like farrelly brothers kind of mm-hmm. dumb and dumber kind of stuff american pie you know mm-hmm. even good gross out doesn't usually really make me laugh it's just not to my sense of humor no but this film because i don't think it was making the joke of it wasn't like farts are funny end of joke certainly not or, no. it was yeah it was like farts, farts are a plot point yeah and also then what is this sort of social commentary kind yeah. of thing they're talking about farting they're talking about masturbating or mm-hmm. like why do people do it why do people not do it mm-hmm. with farting at least yeah it almost defies gross out because it takes these things that people look at as gross mm. you know whether it be masturbation farting mm-hmm. you know even you know gay sex on you know it's necrophilia with this film so it's got another level of disgusting but you know <laughs> that, that all of that is kind of put into put out there and is very kind of front and center in the film mm-hmm. but it's also saying these are the things that people people think are taboo and think we shouldn't talk about we should pretend mm. doesn't happen and then but actually they're human functions they're natural human functions that everybody does and mm. if he, i think he even says if everybody there's some line that manny says i think if everybody just admits just could fart in front of each other a little bit more the world would be a happy place or something like yeah. that and i find it the sweetest moment at the end when hank did actually fart in front of somebody mm-hmm. and then somebody just looks at a corpse and he goes, no, that was me. Yeah. And I found that the sweetest moment, even though that's that would be a joke in almost any other film. Mm. I didn't find it funny in any way. It was just, ah. Yeah, he was owning it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was like, this is me. This is who I oh, am. This is... Fart. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This, this film committed to its... It, it had this crazy idea and it really committed to it though. Mm-hmm. It kind of stuck with it and it minded it for something so much <clears> deeper than you would think. Mm. Like I said, it wasn't mining it for cheap jokes. It was mm, like, yeah. it was taking things that people would think are absolutely ridiculous and are just gross and stupid. Yeah. Like the stupid, if you've looked, if you write this film's plot down on, on like a single piece of paper, mm-hmm. it would just look like the stupidest thing in the world. Well, I think that they really sort of took you to the height of it very early on. Yeah. Where he rides him as a jet ski. <laughs> yeah. Just on fart power. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was the, the height of the ridiculousness. And that was, and that was good. It was just sort of get you in the mood for the film. Mm-hmm. tell you what it's going to be like which was good now i made a prediction at the start of the film as we were watching it in the opening scenes that this is all a dream of 
an oxygen-deprived Hank who's hanging himself. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Did you think that panned out? Yeah, it was hard to say, wasn't it? What Because the, the end was very open-ended. Mm. So it was kind of hard to say exactly what, what was it all true or not. I guess you can probably... It's kind of magical realism. Mm-hmm. Everything that happens is, you know, they don't bother to explain anything, which is great, again. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, you take this ludicrous situation of the corpse coming to life and it never tells you whether he's fantasizing or whether it's actually happening. And if it is actually happening, there's no, like, attempt to make it scientific or anything. It's just like, this is the scenario and this is our story and this is how we're going to tell it. Yeah. So in a way, I don't think it really mattered. In terms of Paul Dano's character, is, is he actually in love with a corpse? Or, is, mm-hmm. as I say, is it more about him exploring who he is and coming to certain realizations about himself? Is mm-hmm. it about, you know... Is it kind of about sexual fluidity and that kind of thing as well? So, but I don't know. What, what did you think? But when I got to the end, I then thought that it, there, there was no hint at the end that this wasn't a real yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Because other people saw many farting away into the distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I, I think that really added something to it because I was going into it just thinking that the whole thing was a dream, that it was all just mm-hmm. craziness in some guy's head. But no, it wasn't. And and I really appreciated it for that. Yeah, I think I would have felt a little bit robbed if they'd been like, oh, gotcha. Yeah, the whole thing was a dream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or even if he'd somehow managed to win over the girl at the end, it would have, it would have felt yeah. a bit like that, that's not the point. You know? no, no. He's not supposed to get be with this woman. And that's, you know. Mm. So, yeah, I, I felt like, even though the, I felt the ending was be, being kind of open and vague was actually the best way to do it. Because mm. you, couldn't, you couldn't have an overly neat ending where he like, strides into the sunset with Manny to live happily ever after with, with a you know, rotting corpse. Mm-hmm. So I think just ending it on this kind of, I think it ends with him smiling. You see the corpse, you know, Manny is floating away, farting away on the ocean. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what's going to happen to Paul Dana's character at that point. But he just smiles and you think, actually, you're okay. Yeah. What happens now, you're okay because you've, you've found a way to love yourself and to be loved by other people. Which mm-hmm. obviously was something he couldn't do at the beginning of the film when he's so isolated he's living on a remote island and he's suicidal. So he's, he's been mm. on, he's, his character arc has kind of completed, which I thought was really nice. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it was good. What did you think of the score, the music in this film? It really stood out. It was beautiful. Yeah. I know, initially I didn't like it, but then when I, like, because I'd seen trailers of mm. it before, and I was like, well, this is weird, it doesn't really fit the mood so much. But no, then I watched it, and the way they introduced each little piece of music, mm-hmm. of how it was kind of, it was sung, almost. Yeah, it was diegetic. It was yeah. like, there was, there was a soundtrack that they were singing along to. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. It, yeah, it, it was, it definitely grew on me, um, mm-hmm. and it, I think it really did add something to the film. Mm-hmm. I especially liked their renditions of Jurassic Park. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, that was really funny. I wonder how they got the rights to that. Like, yeah, I don't know. Because yeah. I'm sure this film was made on a fairly low budget. <clears throat> it was like Daniel Radcliffe's paycheck, Paul Dana's paycheck, the rest. Like, mm. But yeah, and watching it a second time, I really appreciated how well mixed it was. Mm. The sound mixing, the sound quality of it was amazing. I kind mm-hmm. of wish this film got a little bit more attention for that, maybe. Well, I was thinking this as well, like it... It has been a really good film, and if you compare it to, if if you then put it into the nine films that were nominated for Best Picture mm-hmm. this Oscars, it's it's not number nine. No, absolutely, it's, it's not number ten. It's in there, but can you imagine if a film like this covering these a lot of these kind of topics? Um, imagine if that got into the Oscars. That would be one of the weirdest things. Exactly, it'd be wonderful because yeah, so, so many people wouldn't get the meaning of this film. Yeah, and it would be. Oh, the Oscars really lost their quality if they're playing that in. Yeah, exactly. It would be too controversial. I was looking at reviews of this film after watching it as well, and it, it was unsurprisingly very polarizing. They would have lots of five star reviews and like one star reviews. Mm. People who just hated it. Mm-hmm. But reading the reviews, I read a few of the one star reviews, and it seemed like it was people who must have walked out in the first 10 minutes because it was people who just hated the idea of the fart, just thought it, thought it just literally described it as like lowbrow, gross out humor. I was like, did you watch the same film as me? Because <laughs> it really wasn't that. Like, yeah. I feel like if you can get past the first five minutes of the film where he's riding on a farting corpse mm-hmm. jet ski once you, if you can get through that without literally walking out the cinema and watching this film you'll you, 
you're in and you, you should mm. if you've got an open mind mm-hmm. see what an intelligent beautiful film and, and mm, yeah. original film is so yeah it's a shame but i agree i'm not wasn't surprised it didn't win any oscars <clears> but that doesn't mean it didn't deserve some yeah it actually reminded me a lot of another film that was kind of overlooked at the oscars that but did get in there a little bit which was captain fantastic oh yeah i thought it had a similar kind of vibe kind of filmmaking style the soundtrack yeah, was slightly that, similar yeah. i think yeah i thought it didn't tell a completely different story but i thought there was some Obviously, they are different stories, but I felt like there were certain commonalities there with that kind of living in the wilderness kind of thing. And yeah, I just thought, but I actually thought this was better because they both told original stories really well. But I thought this one I enjoyed a lot more kind of, I enjoyed Captain Fantastic with reservations, whereas I enjoyed this much more kind of wholeheartedly and on a much more of an emotional level. I think it might be the same, actually. Only because I could see myself rewatching this one, whereas kind of fantastic. I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. But if you do watch it again, really listen out for how good the sound is. It definitely should have won some kind of sound mixing. Is it uh, better than La La Land? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say so. I was like, I'm not sure about better than Arrival, but definitely better than La La Land. The more I think about La La Land, the less I like it. I know. That, yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? But, uh... Oh, one thing that did annoy me, and I know it annoyed you too, was mm. the phone. Oh, that God, phone had yes. far too much battery. A 10% battery from the start of the film. He'd be washed up on the island so long that he grew a bigger beard than yours and mine combined. <laughs> like, he had it on 2% for, like, half the film. Yeah. Like, they'd started on 40% or something. No, it was 10%. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what I mean. It did start on 10%. But if they started on 40%, I mean, like, oh, okay, right, yeah. then it would, okay, maybe if you turn it on and off and on, mm-hmm. and it eventually drips down. But like, it felt like it started at 10, it got to, like, 5 by halfway through the film, then it got to 2, mm. and then it stayed on 2, like, forever. And that's not how phones work. Normally, they, no. they like, turn off at 4. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like I could buy the de- I could buy the living zombie. I could buy all the magical realism, but I could not buy that. No, no, like, that, that was across the line for me. So. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm really glad that we watched this film. I'm, I'm pleased. Yes, it, it was, was a very good pick. Thank yeah. you, John. Yeah, it was a good one. Hopefully, I can do do the same next week. Ah. We'll see. We, we shall see. So, yeah. do you you want to start this week with me? Yeah. So, uh, my idea is called Swiss Army Man and the Voyage of the Fancy Yacht. Okay, it rolls <laughs> off the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a prequel. Oh, okay. Because at this. Certainly, questions I had about where it all uh, where it all started. Not things that I necessarily think needed answering. Because this film sounds lovely on its own. Yeah, I kind of considered a prequel briefly, but then I kind of came to that conclusion. I was like, actually, yeah, the film doesn't explain a lot, but mm. I didn't think it needed to. No, it doesn't. So, but nevertheless, but regardless, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to make this film a little bit more wacky than uh, than it actually is. Okay. So we start off by seeing Hank on the bus um, on the way to work. Hank and... is Danny Radcliffe's character. Just is he? Oh, do you mean? Oh, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, no. Manny is Daniel. Manny, Daniel. sorry, I am. Yeah. It's because they mix their names up at the end. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah. Hank is Paul Dano's character. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah it confused me as well at the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, so we start with, with Hank on the bus, um, and there's the woman there, mm-hmm. and he's trying to build up the confidence to ask her out, and he, he can't quite do it. And then he, he leans over to go and say something, and then farts by accident. <laughs> and everybody on the bus hears it. Oh, no. And he just sinks, including her, and she gives him a look, and he just sinks in his seat, and he just dies. It's awful. And so he gets off at the next stop and just walks to work mm-hmm. instead of staying on a bus. Um, he works at just like a McDonald's or something, just a job that he doesn't like. Yeah, it's seems fitting. Clearly yeah. a very unhappy character. Mm-hmm. Not that working at McDonald's makes you necessarily unhappy. but uh, He's not happy with but it. He's not happy with it, fine. Yeah. While he's at work, uh, maybe on his break or something, he gets an email on his phone mm-hmm. which says that he's won a trip to go on a yacht trip. Oh, okay. And I see where we're going with this. Because, spoiler alert, he gets on the yacht. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and because he's so down about his life, even though most people would think of this email as spam, he genuinely believes it and just follows everything that the email says. And oh, like, so he's not entered a competition. This is completely out of the blue. Oh, completely out of the blue. Oh, yeah, okay. he just gets this email. Okay. And 
yeah, he's really excited about it. He's got a smile on his face all day, which people find a bit weird because he doesn't normally smile. Mm-hmm. So he goes home and he packs, and then the next morning he goes to the dock and there's this yacht waiting for him. It's this massive, very grand yacht, must cost millions. It's got a helicopter on top. It's very fancy. It's like the one out of uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, okay. The, yeah. But there's nobody there. There's nobody there to welcome him, but it, like it's open as a little bridge thing to it so we can just get on and he does and he has a look around and there's nobody there and then it just starts going by itself <laughs> and it just starts sailing out and he's like oh god okay <laughs> and he's still not met anybody so there's no indication that anyone else can even see this yacht it's just like mm. okay and so he has a look around and there's literally nobody on this yacht he looks everywhere he looks in the engine room he looks in the what do you call it the bridge yeah yeah um, We've had the discussion before. Now everyone's knowing anything about ships. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Star Trek. Uh, he looks in some of the cabins and nothing. At one point he thought he heard giggling. Okay. But couldn't have been because couldn't see anybody. Couldn't find anybody. And he's in the middle of nowhere by now mm-hmm. as well. He's left land. He can't even see land. Is he freaking out at this point? He's freaking out a little bit. but Just a know. touch. Also, he's excited. Bit of an adventure. You know? Okay, yeah. It's more it's exciting. Pizza than... shift at McDonald's, yeah. yeah. And when he's in the... In the bridge, let's say, or the, the room with the steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> let's keep refer to it only as that from now on. <laughs> he sees a screen that's got like directions on it of where it's going, and it's just going to this middle of nowhere point, just in the middle of the ocean. He has no idea where it's going, but it's going there. It says it's going to take hours. And then, weirdly, he suddenly feels really tired and actually just drops to the floor, falls asleep. Mm-hmm. Yes, no idea why. While he's asleep, he has some dreams. Okay. It's a weird dream. He dreams of gay pigeons with broken shoulders dancing <laughs> to Eurovision songs in a war zone. I'm sensing there might be some kind of crossovers to... Uh, this is just sounding very familiar to me. I don't know why. Yeah, it's just, could, 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 could be about anybody. Trevor Small wasn't gay. Well, she might have been. I'd, I never asked her. That was if that was her business. Yeah. <laughs> and so when he wakes up, uh, he finds that he's just floating in the middle of the air. He looks around. He's in a bedroom. He's just got a bed underneath him, but he's still floating. Yes. But as soon as he tries to move or anything, he just instantly falls to the bed. Okay. As though gravity suddenly took effect. It's really weird. Um, by the way, this film is pitched as a horror, so I imagine there's a bit more scary music and okay. quick cuts and whatever. Okay. Um, well, it's got gay pigeons in Eurovision. What else could it be but a horror? <laughs> <laughs> in a war zone. In a war zone, yeah. <laughs> With massive ginger beards. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have to do some backtracking at the end of this so that anyone who's listening to this as a first episode has any idea what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. John's got a broken shoulder right now. And a large ginger beer because I can't reach to shave. Yes. And I've also recently nursed a pigeon back to health, which may or may not have been gay, I never asked. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to the Eurovision Song Contest in war in Ukraine in a week's time. So, yes. As you're listening to this, I'll be there. Or dead. So. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> and so then he has to look around this room, and it's just one of the cabins, he's seen it before. But in a corner, he sees that there's three floating heads. Okay. Just like there's nothing underneath them. It's Harry, Ron, and Hermione. From Harry Potter. <laughs> Okay. So there's my crossover this week. Okay. Makes sense. He gets freaked out because, you know, he's on this mystery boat. He's been drugged or something. He's been floating. And then there's these three heads in the corner. Now, is this a universe in which the Harry Potter cinematic universe exists? Does he recognise that these are the heads of Harry Potter people or are they just random heads to him? It's random heads to him. Okay. So it's not Daniel Radcliffe and people. It's it's Harry Potter as Harry Potter. Okay. I see. And so it freaks him out and he runs for the door, which, uh, by the way, has a mirror on it. On the, okay. on, the, on the back of the door. As he does that, Harry and Hermione both cast spells at him, but he's just a little bit too quick for them. Those spells bounce off the mirror and both hit Harry at the same time. Okay. Who then falls on the floor, just shaking and twitching, and just having a bit of a freak out. I thought Harry was just a floating head. Uh, they were all wearing invisibility cloak. Oh, sorry. so now it's... Sorry, okay. my bad. Okay. 
Yeah, uh, which, well, it starts freaking Hermione and run out. And then Harry just suddenly floats up into, into the middle of the room and his head turns all the way around. Ooh, exorcist style. Okay. Exactly, yeah. It's very scary, so scary that Hermione and Ron start running for the door and just say, go, go! And, they, and so he runs, as so all three of them run out. I'm going to stop you for a moment and ask, ask a question that you often level at me. Who is this film for? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> This film is for me. Okay. Okay? okay. I should have said that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I could see people like in Harry Potter characters in a... So weird... watching Harry Potter die horribly and have his head spin 360 degrees? It's been a dream of mine for ages. Okay. Just because he's your namesake and he's ruined you, your life for years? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. And so they all run, the, the three of them, so we've got Hank, Hermione and Ron. They all run and they hide in just another cabin and they've still got the invisibility cloak, they hide under that. Are they all together now? Is Hank now? Those, th- those three are together now, and Hank's like, "What's going on? What what what, what were you trying to do to me? What's mm-hmm. what's happening?" And Hermione explains that for some unknown adventure, they essentially needed the fourth person. They didn't actually know anybody because they're in America right now, I guess, because mm-hmm. this film's American, right? Yeah, this film's American. Great. So is this post the events of the Harry Potter series? Yeah. yeah. So Voldemort's dead and all that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So for some reason, they just needed somebody else. And so Hermione has invented this spell, which can give somebody magical powers. Okay. But at the same time, Harry was trying to make him freeze to stop him from running away. Okay. So the combination of those two spells to increase somebody's power and also to make them freeze has just both hit Harry at the exact same time and it's really messed him up. Okay. So have they just chosen him at random because he's this kind of you know uh, yeah, person with no connections particularly? Exactly. They think that he's somebody who could deserve to have these powers that you know he's not really happy with his life maybe he wants a different life okay well he doesn't have any he's not like harry potter in the sense he's been born with like magical potential no okay i mean 20 harry potter fans you're probably saying that this isn't a thing in the harry potter world but shush it's your film my fault they hear footsteps outside okay and the door opens it sort of rattles a bit and then it opens and harry walks in and he's essentially a zombie now okay. he's just walking around slowly he doesn't seem to have any consciousness he's just sort of groaning a little bit he looks around, can't see anything, and walks out. So they decide that they've got to make a move for it. They've got to do something. Hermione wants to go and help Harry. Ron kind of wants to help Harry as well. Hank, who doesn't know who this Harry is, just wants to leave. And so he wants to go for the helicopter. Yeah. So they agree that Hermione is going to try and fix Harry. She's going to try and sort of distract him and fix him at the same time, while Ron and Hank go to the helicopter and try and work that out and get it started and see what they can do there. So they all leave the room and... Harry's at the end of the corridor already. He's just been waiting for them or not moved or anything. And so Hermione instantly shouts Expelliarmus at him mm-hmm. and it just bounces off him. It does nothing. She tries a few other spells. Absolutely nothing happens. They're very confused. So they run to the other end of the corridor. They find a way out that way and they run to the helicopter. Um, they're just going to come back for Harry's mother point. But then he just appears out of thin air mm-hmm. and grabs Hermione. So then Ron's reaction is to just cast a spell at him, which then bounces off him and hits Hermione. Mm-hmm. Hermione dies instantly. Oh my god. Yeah, she's dead. This is bleak. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking a leaf out of your book for once. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you've gone lighthearted this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. I'll let you know. So, Hank instantly goes for Harry, just mm-hmm. in a physical fight, and it goes his way, mostly. He, bang- he bangs Harry's head against the deck a few times. Um, Harry fights back, and they actually both fall overboard. Okay. Um... Harry lands face down in the water and is floating face down. Hank's still around and he's trying to get back on the boat. And he, Ron's still on the boat. It, Ron's still on the boat. Okay. He calls to Ron for help, who's crying over Hermione's dead body. Mm-hmm. And Ron just leans over and just wipes his memory. 
mm-hmm. wipes Hank's memory. Because then Hank is unconscious, floating face up, mm-hmm. um, so he's still going to be alive. And we see from Bat Ocean level, we're looking up, and we see Ron, and he just puts a wand up to his face, under his chin, like that. Oh my god. Cut to black. <laughs> the end. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so you've killed Hermione and Ron and Harry Potter. You've killed the entire Harry Potter yeah. trio in... Oh, well, yes. okay. Bold move. Yeah, very so. bold. Um, <laughs> I've, yeah, I've, I've wanted to do that for a while. Take take Daniel Radcliffe in some form and put him in a horror movie with Emma Watson and Rupert Grint. Okay. Um, I'm sensing a lot of like, underlying was, resentment for the Harry Potter like, franchise <laughs> from you right now. Jealousy. It's yeah, jealousy. It's jealousy. They're successful people. <laughs> I respect them for it, but I'm jealous. <laughs> okay. Um... Well, so that was interesting. <laughs> I have a little bit shell shocked by that. Yeah. What did um? So where did the dreams of pig, gay pigeons and my life come in? Was that just a oh, I just story? that in for fun. Okay, cool. Yeah. I like the idea that I exist in some kind of cinematic universe. In <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now the, I guess the next thing he's going to know is he's going to wake up on this island and mm, yeah, and so what happens to the boat? That's the start of the film, and so he won't yeah. he won't have any memory. He won't know how he's got to that island. Okay. Because there was no indication that he knew how he got there. That's the a fair point. Yeah, it's true. Um, he just sort of. Was there? Yeah, just saying. I don't want to die alone. So he only. So what his? He only had his recent memory wiped, presumably, because he still remembers the girl. And mm-hmm. the, yeah. So he just didn't remember how he got there at all. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't make sense because there was no indication that he was like a. They said he ran away, mm. which is yeah, it, it ties in with yours. Ran away to a desert to, island. To, yeah, but yeah, they never really explained mm. how he would manage to get to. It. Although well, I suppose at the end it wasn't clear whether it, how far he actually was because there was that thing where it was all a few. Mm-hmm. And again, I guess that's the how much of it's real and how much of it's in his head kind of thing yeah. that the film kind of plays around with. And this is also a vague explanation for why Harry or... What's his name again? The corpse? Hank, Manny? Manny. You mean Hank or Manny? Well, no, well, I'm saying Harry or Manny, whatever you want to call him. Oh, right. Uh, why he can do the things that he can do. Because he's half wizard. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, in my world, that's what dead wizards can do. They can fart a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did Harry Potter fart on the screen at any point? I don't think so. No. Shame. In a different film. Okay. So yeah, so is, is where did this idea come from? Was it just literally from this idea of wanting to do a horror movie with the... Harry yeah, I've always wanted to do a horror movie with the Harry Potter cast, and yeah. this one kind of did it. And I thought, well, I was trying to think of genres that I've not done for this podcast, and I've not yeah. done horror yet, so mm-hmm. that was that was my attempt. Okay. No. Yeah, it, um, it was chilling. I can't say I particularly see it being made, but uh, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> yeah. that's not always the point. Um, no, cool. like it. So... Right. Mine actually also has an element of um, Harry Potter crossover, actually. But it's, oh, it's, it's, no. it's taken a different direction. I think they're different enough that they can stand alone. Mine is called Swiss Army Man 2 Mannequin. <laughs> As in mannequin, mannequin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mannequin. So, we have a pre credit scene. And Ooh. the pre credit scene is we open on the Graham Norton show. And, um, so you watched the Graham Norton show? Yeah, th- this, you actually inspired this because when we finished watching the film, yeah. you told me that uh, I should watch the interviews that, Harry, that Daniel Radcliffe did <laughs> promoting this film, particularly when he was on the Graham Norton show in the mm. UK. So I YouTubed it. It was good. So anyway, so we were on the Graham Norton show and Danny Radcliffe is, as in real life, mm-hmm. being interviewed to promote his upcoming movie, Swiss Army Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a g- bit where he brings on, as a gimmick, the mannequin. The mannequin yeah. of oh, dead, yeah. the dead Danny Radcliffe mannequin. Yeah. The dead Hank mannequin. Uh, the dead Manny mannequin, sorry. <laughs> and brings it on. And in the real interview, uh, so he sits with, he sits the mannequin down and Anna Kendrick and Justin Timberlake were guests in the episode as well. And Anna Kendrick mm-hmm. was just repulsed by the... Totally freaked out and repulsed by the doll. And mm-hmm. Justin Timberlake thought it was hilarious. And then at the end of the episode, the real episode, Danny Radcliffe kind of said, he doesn't. I don't really know what's going to happen to this mannequin after the mm-hmm. promo tour's over. Mm-hmm. So watching that, I thought, well, that's a movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
and said that that's my movie. Like you got your inspiration not from the film, but from the press tour of the film. Yeah, hey, I take inspiration from everything around me. It's that that's 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 what story selling is all about. You've got to be open very, to anything. When inspiration the, strikes, you very innovative, John. Well done. Yeah. Hey, so. Sir. Yeah, so thank you. I might take that back later. <laughs> yeah, let's wait to see where it goes. <laughs> so, okay, so now we're into the main meat of the movie. So the, the Graham Norton interview is, is, is recorded, mm-hmm. you know, credits are rolling, show's over. So after the show, Radcliffe and the other celebrities, they pack up and leave. Mm-hmm. And Mannequin is boxed up and mm-hmm. put on a van to be taken to the next location. Right, okay. But then in a classic kind of movie moment, the delivery guy who's loading them up he doesn't close the back of the van properly oh, no. and so they're driving through london is this the same guy from finding dory it may be the same guy yeah it may be a memento guy who knows uh, it's not <laughs> <laughs> we, we could cast um what's his face guy, Pierce? guy we could cast guy pearson as well it's a very nothing role but why not anyway back to my story mm-hmm. so as um yeah as i say in a classic kind of movie moment he doesn't seal the back of the van properly mm-hmm. and so as they're driving through london the van takes kind of a sharpish turn and the door flings open and the box containing mannequin falls out mm-hmm. and, and then kind of rolls it goes into an embankment he, he comes out of the box rolls mm-hmm. down into an embankment and he's kind of lying there and so it's it's night obviously because it's recorded an evening TV show mm-hmm. so he's lying in the grass and it's a full moon and somehow by the magic of the full moon Mannequin comes to life and I'm not going to explain why <laughs> sure, because sure. the first film didn't explain a lot of what happened it's, yeah, just, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a movie magic moment Yeah. so you know something's in the air magic, the moon, whatever mm-hmm. Mannequin comes to life and like the character in the film, he's kind of very stiff and he's uncertain on his feet because he's, he's a mannequin. A mannequin is essentially a corpse that doesn't rot. It's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, yeah. Basically, so it's a lot of the same physicality kind of thing. So he's staggering down the road for several hours, kind of bewildered, no memory of who he is or where he's come from, etc. He doesn't know anything. So eventually he gets kind of he gets to a town or kind of a populated area maybe. Uh, and it's late and the last few bars are just beginning, beginning to close. Mm-hmm. So the first people he sees is a group of drunks who are being kicked out of a local pub. Yeah. And he walks towards them. And when he gets close enough, they see him and obviously they immediately recognise him and they go, fucking hell, it's, Dan- it's Harry Potter. <laughs> and they run up to him and they're screaming, they're trying to take selfies with him and they're all very excited. Mm. And obviously they ask him to cast a spell and just, just being drunk and leery and, you know, <laughs> and he's naturally terrified. Mm. So he, he runs off into the night wordlessly. Mm-hmm. And so the drunks are like, fucking hell, whatever Hollywood drugs he's on, I want some of them. Like, what a weirdo. <laughs> so. so anyway, he's exhausted and he's scared. He's disoriented. So he decides to hide behind some kind of waste disposal units, like okay. some big, big bins, yeah, yeah. skips. So he's in a darkened alley, he takes shelter and kind of sleeps. Because he's a mannequin, when he sleeps, sleeping just basically means reverting back to being a full mannequin. So he's mm-hmm. just like lying there looking like a mannequin. Mm-hmm. So the next day he's woken up when a refuse collector, or garbage man if you will, is doing the rounds and spots him. So, but because he's terrified of humans after his last, his last run-in, mm. he stays very still, just keeps in his mannequin kind of mm-hmm. mode. And the, garb- the garbage man kind of sees him picks him up and puts him in the passenger seat of his van. I'm feeling a bit of deja vu and the same emotions as I felt when I saw the end of Toy Story 3. Really? I'm, I'm getting quite scared. <laughs> well, buckle up. Um, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever you think is going to happen, I think it might be worse. Um, <laughs> so the garbage man is going to be played by Nick Frost. Ah, Simon Pegg's you know, yeah, best yeah, friend yeah, yeah. from the, you know, Shaun of the Dead and all those kind of films. Yeah, yeah. So... We're going to have a little montage now of kind of Nick Frost doing his garbage man rounds with Manny just kind of sat stock still, you know. Still oh, wait, in the passenger seat? In the passenger seat. Just like, oh, yeah. great. So that'd be cute. You know, yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Is uh, there any music playing? Maybe the, the garbage man song from The Simpsons, you know, the garbage man can. Like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Anything. <laughs> or, or on the road again, something, you know, king of the road, something mm-hmm. appropriate. So anyway, after he's done his rounds, Nick Frost takes Mannequin into his home where he apparently lives alone. Mm-hmm. So uh, as it turns out, he, he has recognised a life-size Daniel Radcliffe puppet it's probably going to be worth some money. Mm-hmm. So he 
sets up a listing for the mannequin on eBay, basically. Okay. So his plan is to sell him, make some money. So while he's doing that, he's, he's got money kind of sat on his city because he lives alone. So he's got, he's just sat on the, he's got the mannequin sat on the sofa. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so while he's on, as I say, he's alone in his flat. So after he sets up his eBay listing, he's watching the bids come in. He's getting very excited about all his money he's going to make. Mm-hmm. And he has, he examines money mm-hmm. and he looks at him and he realizes that this mannequin has flexible fingers and a pretty firm grip. So I'm sure you can imagine what happens next. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. We're going to get a scene of Daniel Radcliffe wanking off Nick Frost. Oh, God, John. Yeah, in front of the TV. And it's oh. going to be very, very romantic. It's how desperate you've gotten with a broken right arm. <laughs> this did become a little bit earlier. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, fantasy fiction. Yeah, like, <laughs> I did have a raging hard on writing this. Oh, God. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and I think we can get some comedy out of this, though, where we can have close-ups of like Mannequin's face while he's wanking off Nick Frost, just like, mm-hmm. oh, no. Like, <laughs> 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 but anyway, he asked, you know, he's... he's too scared to reveal himself, so he has to mm-hmm. just let it happen. Mm-hmm. So anyway, after Nick, after he's finished, Nick Frost, you know, cleans himself up, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, switches over, as we often do after these situations, he switches over to watch some TV, mm-hmm. and he switches on, and what's on TV but the Graham Norton show that was recorded the previous <laughs> night, because they, they don't record it live, it's on mm-hmm, like, yeah, yeah. so it's, the, it's that next, that episode that he was on is now, mm-hmm. you can now see on TV. Mm-hmm. So Manny, still pretending to be lifeless, can now see not only himself on the screen, but also the real Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. And it brings back all these faint memories that he can't place from like deep within his, whatever mm-hmm. passes for his psyche. Mm-hmm. And um, he's not sure what, he, he can't connect all the dots, but because the real Daniel Radcliffe is showing him such affection mm-hmm. and everyone else is like repulsed by him. He kind of gets into his head that this must be his brother or his father or something. Mm. So he decides he has to find him. And so he waits for Nick Cross to fall asleep and he creeps out of the apartments or the house, wherever they are. Mm. And so he's wandering through the streets of London now looking for Daniel Radcliffe. Just got to point out, or we'll stop you and say, that in my head, I imagine Nick Frost's apartment to be literally the room we're in right now. <laughs> <laughs> are you suggesting that me and Nick Frost are the same person? Yes. yes I'm heavily basing this on myself. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I do not wank off puppets in my free time. Mm-hmm, <laughs> sure. Just people who live alone, that just, that's just doesn't come to that always. <laughs> we may think about it, but we don't do it. So <laughs> Anyway, let's, let's, let's cycle back a bit. Yeah, moving on. Yes, moving swiftly on. So, he's wandering through the streets of London looking for Danny Radcliffe. He can't speak properly, mm-hmm. but he has memorised the name that he mm-hmm. heard on the show. Mm-hmm. And he keeps saying it to himself over and over again to make sure he doesn't forget it, because he does have kind of limited brain function, because mm-hmm. he's, he's a mannequin. So he's just walking around, just going, Danny Radcliffe, Danny Radcliffe, Danny Radcliffe. <laughs> I know it's kind of like Frankenstein's monster kind of thing, yeah. but also... Like the, that Who Shot Mr. Burns episode of The Simpsons, when Mr. Burns gets beaten up by Homer and all he can say is Homer Simpson. Mm. He's like, Homer Simpson, Homer Simpson, Homer mm-hmm. Simpson. That was kind of running through my head when I was thinking about mm-hmm. what this is going to look like. So the situation now is that he's, as he's walking through London, he's frequently going to run into people, adults, children, tourists, etc., mm-hmm. who will instantly recognize him as Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Looking a bit like shit because he's a zombie Harry Potter, mm-hmm. still Harry Potter. Um, so they're going to be all like, oh my God, it's Harry Potter. And they're going to run around again, try and take selfies, like you know, introduce themselves. And all he's going to say back to them is, Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> and he's going to get increasingly freaked out and irate. And so all the fans are going to be thinking, oh God, what a dick. Because <laughs> he's, he's refusing to acknowledge his, you know, them or his role or whatever. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And also they think, obviously he's become a major drug addict because look at the state of him. He's, he's pallid, his mm-hmm. skin's a mess and he's, mm-hmm. he's barely coherent. Like, my God, what's happened to him? Mm-hmm. 
So there might be a montage of this and maybe he's going to make some children cry, you know, mm. for his behaviour. Maybe some angry dad's going to beat him up. Uh, it's not going to be great. So okay. poor mannequin, he's not, he's not having a very good time. No, no. And he's, he's very confused because he keeps being called Harry Potter and he doesn't know what a Harry Potter is. <laughs> so, but he's tenacious. He refuses to give up. He's got his single-minded goal. Mm-hmm. After many days of fruitlessly wandering through London and getting into all kinds of misadventures, mm. uh, one day he spots a picture of himself or Danny Redcliffe on mm-hmm. the side of a bus. Mm-hmm. He's super excited. So he chases the bus down and he runs up to it and he tries to board the bus. And this bus is actually, because we're in London, it's an official Harry Potter London tour bus. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, that's why it's got a picture of him. Yeah. So he gets on the bus and the bus driver's like, oh my God, it's Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> and he's the fir- as it turns out, he's the first person, the bus driver, who has said, it's Daniel Radcliffe, not it's Harry Potter. Because everyone ah, else has been like, oh, it's Harry Potter. It's Harry yeah. Potter. So obviously, Mannequin is very excited. Who's so playing the bus driver? I hadn't thought of that. Any ideas? Simon Pegg. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's get them both in. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, good, good call. So he gets very excited, the mannequin, and of course, so he goes, "Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe." <laughs> <laughs> so the bus driver's like, "Of course you can get for free, Mister Radcliffe. You're the reason I have this job." Mm-hmm. So the mannequin's like, "Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe," and uh, <laughs> eventually he calms down. And he takes a seat, and the bus driver's like, "Christ, what a weirdo, what a freak!" But, uh, but he drives on, because you know. But this is turning into a, an I am Groot kind of situation. It's a little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess there's that an element of that as well. Yeah. So the bus takes Manny and the other passengers, who of course are very excited to be sharing a bus with the actual Harry Potter, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and they take, he drops them off at the Harry Potter official studio tour at Warner Brothers Studios, mm-hmm. which is a real thing in London. Mm-hmm. Have you been to it? No, I really want to. Mm. I've never been either, so I'm saying, I don't know if it's exactly like this, but that's how I imagine it to be. Yeah, sure. So now Manny can get off the bus and he can see his own face everywhere. Mm. So he's super excited. Because he thinks this is where I'm going to find Danny Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. You know, my my you know, my other half, mm-hmm. the other half part of me. And as it turns out, there's quite a big crowd at the um, Harry Potter studios today, even more so than usual, because uh, Rupert Grint is there making a special appearance. Mm. Now, actually, as it turns out, it's not that much of a special appearance because he actually does these quite a lot these days. Because <laughs> there's not really much else going on in his life. <clears throat> yeah, he has, compared to Emma Watson and Daniel Radcliffe, he doesn't seem to be working very much. I feel so, like it must be his choice because he he was really good as Ron. Maybe got, maybe got typecast a little bit more. Anyway, but as Manny enters the studio, obviously pandemonium immediately breaks out mm. because Harry and Ron are both here. They're reunited at last. Mm-hmm. So a huge crowd gathers around Manny before he can react or figure out what's going on. He's swept up by the crowd and dragged over to Rupert Grins and they're put together for like a reunion photo shoot. Mm-hmm. Now, as you probably know from some of my previous sequels, I do like to give actors an opportunity to send up their own image. Okay. You know, Kim Kardashian killing tunes in Who Fade Audrey Rabbit... <laughs> Bruce Willis is a terrible Hollywood monster in um, The Fifth Element. Mm-hmm. I like to let people parody their own self-image. So while I'm sure that the real Rupert Grint is a lovely, lovely man, in this film he is not. In this film he is a bitter, angry young man. Well, I could see him being bitter and angry because yeah. he's, he's not done that well out of it. Exactly, yeah. Like you say, he's not been in so many films recently, whereas, you know, Daniel Radcliffe and everything. Exactly, exactly. So this is not good for him. So, you know, he's posing for pictures with this kind of rictus grin. and he's like, you know, smile, mm-hmm. smile, fat camera, camera, fat, mm-hmm. fat. But then as soon as the kind of meet and greet is over, he kind of drags Mannequin into, the, into like his dressing room mm-hmm. and just lays into him. He's like, you just couldn't resist coming here, could you? Stealing my thunder. And so obviously Mannequin just replies, Danny Radcliffe? <laughs> <laughs> like, and, then, and Rupert's like, look, you might think you're Danny Radcliffe's serious actor these days, but you'll always be Harry Potter to these people. There's no getting away with it, so just get over yourself, you prick. And then <laughs> Mannequin replies, Danny Radcliffe? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like so why the fuck are you still wearing that, that costume for that stupid fucking gay zombie movie you're in? nobody's ever going to see that film is this some kind of publicity stunt I know Danny Radcliffe 
That's all he can say. <laughs> so at this point, after being just you know, back and forth, Rupert Grant just loses it because mm-hmm. he thinks he's being mocked. Mm-hmm. So he just goes into a blind rage. He attacks Manny, he's punching and punching and kicking. It's a full-blown fist fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's furniture breaking. And eventually it spills out of the dressing room into the tour lot, where obviously a huge gang of children are instantly traumatised by the sight of Ron and Ronald Weasley beating the shit out of Harry Potter. Is Mannequin fighting back? No, he's not. Mannequin is... His only defence from being attacked by Rupert Grint is, to, again, to go back into Mannequin mode. Okay. So he freezes. But yeah. Rupert Grint is too blinded by Rachel Tells him he's just, like, punching and punching and punching. Mm-hmm. just laying into him. So, eventually, one of the security men, um, some security race in, and they mm-hmm. drag Rupert Grint off mm-hmm. the Mannequin. And uh, he recognises Manny... And he says, hey, that's that Danny Radcliffe dummy that went missing from the Graham Norton show the other night. <laughs> and uh, he's like, Mr. Grint, did you steal a doll of, of your ex-co-star and beat it up in public? <laughs> <laughs> and Rupert Grint's like, st- you know, Rupert Grint's still very angry. He's like, no, no, it's, he's real. He's taunting me. <laughs> and uh, obviously Manny is still frozen. Yeah. And um, he's like, Mr. Grint, are you feeling okay? Mm-hmm. He's like, no, it's him. He's alive. He's trying to steal my thunder. And uh, the security guards in the assembled crowd obviously now assume that Rupert Grint has gone completely insane. And um, he's led away for psychiatric evaluation. Oh. Yes. And the, so the security guards are left with the mannequin. And they're like, so what do we do with him? Mm-hmm. And one of them says, because I feel like the Warner Brothers set and the, the Graham Norton set probably quite close together. Mm. So they probably have a similar, probably rotational staff, let's say. Sure, yeah. So one of the security guards said, well, he was due to be delivered to Madame Tussauds after the pre-road tour. So uh, I guess we should just take him there. Mm. So Manny is taken to Adam Tussauds in London, where mm-hmm. he's fixed up by the in-house artists, mm-hmm. and he's actually placed in an exhibition get dedicated to Danny Radcliffe that's being, that just happens to have been put in recently. Mm-hmm. So there's a because Danny Radcliffe is one of Britain's great acting experts, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, it turns out in this film, Madame Tussauds at this time contains a whole Danny Radcliffe exhibition, and it's got there's Harry Potter Daniel Radcliffe, yeah. there's a Woman in Black Daniel Radcliffe, there's Naked Danny Radcliffe from, Me- from Equus that the horse play did. <laughs> And there is just Danny Radcliffe as Danny Radcliffe. Okay. Looking like the actor. And now there's um, Swiss Army Man Danny Radcliffe has been added to the, added to the mm. collection. So, as he's added to the collection, the film, oh, this is the film wrapping up now, and we see that Mannequin's eyes lock onto the main Danny Radcliffe doll. Mm-hmm. And he smiles. And it's got the inscription, Danny Radcliffe, on the doll. And so he smiles. And then the credits roll. And then we get a nice little photo montage of all the tourists visiting Madame Tussauds and taking photos of all the different... Daniel Radcliffe dolls, mm-hmm. including Manny. And in between that, there's going to be some... We're also going to get some magazine covers mm-hmm. detailing uh, with headlines about Rupert Grint's tragic mental health spiral and also fears for the real Daniel Radcliffe after multiple sightings of him appearing disheveled, intoxicated and bewildered around London over the past <laughs> week. And so, yeah, and they're, they're the credits. And I think, I've actually got an idea for the credit tune this, this week. I feel like the tune that plays over the credits should be Happy Together by the Turtles. That... Oh. So happy together. That's enough for what we sued. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's my ending. So he, the mannequin gets his happy ending. He's realised all the were down in Radcliffe's. And it's really nice. Yeah. Oh, I'd really like to see that one be made. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very joyous film. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm on a bit of a happy street recently. I went in some dark places in our previous episodes. And these last couple, I feel like I've, I'm on an uptick. It's like the inverse of your mood. Yeah, maybe I'm, <laughs> lo- yeah, maybe I'm looking for happy things because I've had some bad things happen to me recently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah once, once my ideas start getting dark again that's when to worry about me mm-hmm. I want to stop worrying about me actually oh yeah yeah so when you get back from Eurovision yeah yeah I'll probably have the happiest stories in the world it'll be just sunshine and rainbows <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ah cool that was a good one yeah, any um, questions no mm-hmm. as always no fair enough I should get that on a t-shirt <laughs>
I didn't have a lot of time to go with this one because I've been kind of housebound for the past week. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so I was up at like 2 a.m. still still writing this. I was like, oh, that happens and this happens and this happens. This will be amazing. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really happy with mine. Didn't take me long actually yeah. at all. Um, yeah, it was good. Yeah, again, I think we both had a good week. So, yeah, yeah, we good, have. Good pick. Great. All right. Yeah. Uh, what's next? Oh, okay. So I have some related fan submissions, not for this film, but for Gravity, our last episode. Okay. So we had uh, one good thing, which is a podcast where they take bad films or films that were poorly received mm. and they kind of try and find one good thing to say about them. It's okay. a really cool podcast on iTunes. Well worth looking for the Ooh, one good thing. thing. I might try that one out. Yeah, it's very good. So Depending on what they say now. Yes. So their, their idea for Gravity was Gravity Squared. Mm. And it's a rom-com in which Sandra Bullock and George Clooney's characters hop between alternate universes for like adventures and shapes with alternate versions of themselves. And it should feature Adam Sandler. Okay. So it's just kind of a comedy. A my favourite guy. Yeah, exactly. So, star of such classics as Fifty First Dates. Um, yeah, so that's that. That's one good thing. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, Captain Hygiene, who did some fantastic um, fan, fan art for us for our Deja Vu episode. Oh, yes. Yes, thank you for that. We loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he suggested Gravity to Hypergravity. In this version, Sandra Bullock's character, Dr. Ryan Stone, is stranded orbiting a black hole, and she's pulled into the black hole. And she, through the black hole, she's, she's sent back in time and actually sets off the events of the first film. So I assume that means she's something to do with the... All right, so some sort of uh, temporal loop. Maybe, yeah. Maybe she's something to do with all the debris getting set off or the thing. Oh, yeah. I don't know, but yeah, that's maybe the she, idea. Maybe she was that Russian missile. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Maybe she just <laughs> shot out and just hit it and just exploded and yeah. Oh, God. I don't know. It's the yeah, possibilities are endless. So yeah, that's, sure. That's a good one. That's a good one, yeah. yeah. And someone called Ross Burton, <gasps> who's, um, yeah, he sounds like a dodgy character, but he, he's apparently on some podcast called Beer Pizza in a Movie. I wouldn't bother. Um <laughs> Just it, it's a good podcast. It's yeah. uh, mine and Ross's. Yeah, this is our podcast. sister podcast that Harry does with uh, our friend Ross. So yeah, and this is Ross Burton. Uh, so he's pitched two Gravity sequels. Oh, because you know he's yes, not. Yeah. He's a man of many words. He has to be better than everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. So his first is a, a survival. Gravity is a survival horror in which Sandra Bullock has to last several days in the desert after landing at the end of Gravity. Yeah. So not too, right. not too dissimilar to mine, but rather mm-hmm. than being on Skull Island, she's just in the desert. Mm-hmm. So cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that being made. Uh, and his other one was called The Fundamental Forces Movie Universe, in which the gravity, gravity is one of four films. This is Ross. Ross has a degree in physics, or mm-hmm, yeah. a PhD in physics or something? Degree. Uh, just a degree, okay. So just, just a <laughs> he's, just a, he's not that. Just right. a bog standard degree, yeah. yeah. Really milk toast. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so this is his science persona definitely coming out now, because so it's The Fundamental Forces Movie Universe, Gravity is the first of four films. The others are called Electromagnetic, Weak Nuclear, and Strong Nuclear. <laughs> and all three films take place inside a single atom and not much happens. Oh. That's a very Ross joke. Yes, it is. What a great one to end on, so thank you, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you all for your submissions. Please keep them coming. Uh-huh. Uh, so we will, we will read them out on future episodes. If you have a sequel idea for Swiss Army Man, many more for Gravity, or for any other films we've done or may do in the future, mm. let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. Uh, our website is beyondtheboxset.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook, where you can get to get in touch with us. Or And you can listen to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Overcast, or your favourite podcasting platforms. If you go to our website, beyondtheboxset.com, you can find all the links there. And that's all the marketing spiel for the week, so over to you for next week's film. Great. So next week, uh, it's my choice, um, and I was trying to beat you to picking a film that neither of us have seen. Well, you failed. And maybe you've seen this film, so maybe I've really failed. I've not seen it. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I have seen it. God damn! <laughs> God damn! Sorry, I love that film. But oh, it's a good, it's a good pick. It's an amazing. Film. Yes, uh, I've, I've seen some things about it on YouTube. Little bits of, I don't know. I'm not too sure what. Nothing makes sense to me yet until I've seen it. I guess. Mm-hmm. I would say maybe it'd be a good pick. Yeah, I would say however much you know about it, leave it at that. 
don't read any more about it until you've seen the film. It's definitely a no, film I don't that want benefits to. Yeah. from watching it like kind of fresh. Yeah. Good choice. That's actually been on my shortlist for a while, so you did ah, beat me to that. So great, great. Take that little small victory there if you want. Yeah. Um, no, no, that'll be fun. Perfect. Um, all right, well, uh, catch you all next week. Yep. See you next week. Bye. See you. Bye.